0: Would you please pray with me before we begin? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that we can know who you are through your word and through the person of Christ. Dear God, we pray as I preach that your spirit would be at work through the the word. Help me to preach it well, dear God. Help it to affect us, help us to see um, what it is that you need us to see to help conform us to your will. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4. Um, when I found out a couple of weeks ago that I'd be preaching tonight. I sent a text to Kevin asking, uh, hey, what verse out of this chapter 6 section of Deuteronomy am I going to be focusing on? And Kevin said, verse 4, all of verse 4, and nothing but verse (laughs) 4. And then he reminded me that I had 15 minutes. (laughs) Um, But as I've been studying this... Uh, this verse, it, it, that pattern, X, all of X, and nothing but X. I find that is just the perfect sort of way to to look at this idea of the oneness of God. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So, as we go into this verse, we do need a little bit of context. Deuteronomy is. Basically, Moses' last words to the Israelites as is they're about to cross over into the promised land. Moses is not going with them. Um, he is God has revealed to him that he will not enter the promised land because of unfaithfulness during their time in the wilderness. So sort of like the thrower on a curling team. This is him trying to get the nation of Israel off on the best trajectory for them to remain faithful as they, as they head into the land of promise. Um, and he knows how fickle their hearts are. And the whole theme throughout Deuteronomy is, is really the theme that we see in this verse. And that is to put your faith solely in the Lord. That is, put your faith solely in the Lord. And as you look at this verse tonight, we'll be considering that in sort of looking at two aspects of God's oneness. The first is, the Lord is more than enough. That is, the Lord is more than enough. And the other half of that is that there is no other. There is no other. So the Lord is more than enough. If you wanted to go on a vacation where you just chill out and relax... Probably what you would want to do is find an all-inclusive resort. This isn't the sort of vacation where you're going place to place and looking at lots of things. You just want to rest on the beach and take it easy. You go to one of these all-inclusive resorts, you bring a lot of money with you, and uh, pop it down, and then you can spend the week. You go to get food, there's food. You get thirsty, they'll bring you a drink. You go sit on the beach, they'll clean your room. Everything gets taken care of for you. You don't have to go anywhere else. That is enough have that vacation that you want the Lord is complete he is enough he's more than enough he's holy he's sovereign over the whole universe and he's lacking in nothing we see this in creation what he's created we see the his power in the forces of nature and we see his goodness and the beauty around us I mean it's autumn right now you look at the leaves on the trees and it's it's beautiful. And the trees don't care what we think about them. And being pretty colors doesn't help the trees at all. You know, it's not something that evolution can explain, um, but it is explained by God's goodness and mercy to us in, in the beauty that He creates. We see His completeness in in His ability to to deliver on promises in the way that he answers our prayers. I think about last week just in the members meeting when we brought in 10 people and just the way that that a lot of that, you know, there are answers to prayers that had been prayed years ago in in a lot of things that came about in that meeting. And um, you know, it can be hard to see that sometimes just because of the immediacy of life that we live in now and just the instant gratification and God oftentimes operates on longer time frames than that, but But when we look and we see how God answers prayers, we can see his complete and sovereign power at work. And we see it also in his word, in the way that he fulfills his promises, the way that he fulfilled his covenants with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, and with David. And we see it even now in our own lives and looking through the whole arc of the Bible and the way that the triune God that we were talking about, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, work together to bring about salvation, salvation. The way that the Son, Jesus the Son, takes on the penalty of sin on himself and pays for it on the cross to bring us righteousness so that we can be presented blameless before God. And then the way that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of the gospel and the truth of Jesus' resurrection to us and helps us to accept that and put our faith in Jesus. So in all these things, we see how God is complete and enough. But a lot of times we live operably as if God isn't enough. Maybe we don't pray. Maybe it's because there's something that we think um, that God wouldn't be able to do. There's a there's a, a doubt that God would be would be able. Maybe there's a person that we write off to say they would never believe the gospel, so we don't we don't bother bringing it to them. Not trusting that the Holy Spirit. Is capable of working miracles to make people believe. Maybe we don't take risks. We we tend to play it safe, even from a worldly standpoint, even when God is calling us to do something that that the world might call call risky, might might seem like a problem. And the Israelites experienced this in the wilderness. This is one of the things in, in Deuteronomy that, that talked about is the fact that the first time that they were on the border of the promised land, they sent spies across to go and look and see. And, and 10 of the 12 spies, everyone except for Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, yeah, the land's great, but there's no way we can take it. Even though the Lord had told them, go take it, I will be with you. The Israelites were not faithful to do what God commanded because they thought that God couldn't do what he said that he would do. Maybe we buy into some false sense of hope that we can control our own circumstances, that, that we have the power to do that. It's election season, we hear a lot of sort of empty promises that are fairly grandiose of being able to end violence, bring prosperity, uh, stop sea level rise, all sorts of things that, that ultimately mankind doesn't really have the power to do. It's good to seek to make the world better, but... But let's not pretend like we can play God. And then perhaps we seek pleasure and satisfaction in things that we know go out of bounds, go beyond the boundaries of God's will. And we think that those things will make us happy and we seek after them. And that brings us to the second point of tonight's sermon, that there is no other. So the Lord is more than enough. And there is no other. So to go back to our all-inclusive resort illustration, this resort is surrounded by things that maybe look beautiful, but also a minefield around it. That when we go out seeking um, what is beyond the boundaries of, of this provision that we have in God, we put ourselves at great danger. But our flesh is bent to look beyond ourselves for gratification we 'd want to make gods out of anything but the Lord. Now God revealed to Moses in Deuteronomy that after he dies, Israel is going to commit spiritual adultery with the foreign gods of the land that they 're about to enter, and maybe we don 't as people we don 't make statues and Asherah poles and trinkets and things like that that, that we worship but we do have plenty of things that that we uh, turn to that we put above the Lord. There's two categories of these things. Um, The first is is usually more obvious, the, the illicit sort of things that are clearly outside of God's will, that contradict God's commands. Things like seeking sensual intimacy outside of God's design for sex. That would also include things like pornography. Things like stealing, seeking pleasure and in, in, in satisfaction in something that isn't ours. And that can maybe seem sort of obvious, like, oh, I don't go into, like, a store and take something, but but that can also be a little harder to, to pinpoint. For instance, I know a lot of us nowadays are, are spending time working from home, and it can be really hard when when you're, you know, sitting at home and you're on the clock for your job to you know, give your work the, the full amount of effort that they're due for the salary that they're paying you. Things like drunkenness, things like uh, disparaging others to make us feel more righteous, um, things like gossip, those are all clearly illicit, out of bounds. But then there's also the, the things that maybe are a little harder to, to distinguish, and those are the, the things that are misordered. These would be God's good gifts that he gives us, but we make them more important than God himself. And this is a major risk that we face when we're prospering. This was a problem that the Israelites going into the promised land faced. We, we heard it in the passage that was read um, this, this morning, that as they enter this land flowing with milk and honey, that they'll turn to the gods around them. They'll, they'll become complacent in their worship of the Lord. So, as we think about how can we know if we're putting these things above the Lord himself, it's good to think about what are the desires of our heart. You know, Kevin preached a few uh, months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, about seeing the Lord face to face. You know, when we think of heaven and we think about being with God, what is it about heaven that excites us the most? Is it being with the Lord who created it? Is it maybe being reunited with family members who went before is it maybe some worldly aspiration of a heaven where we'll be able to fulfill some worldly desire that we have to a greater extent? If we're not first seeking the Lord, if we're, if we're not primarily excited about being with the Lord, that's, that's a warning sign. Many of these other gifts can become idols, and so some, some of these that, that we should you know, consider and ask some questions about materialism and money. So if the Lord were to look over your financials, what you spend your money on, would he say that the way that you're stewarding the resources he's entrusted to you are primarily for the sake of his kingdom? Or would he say that you're primarily spending those resources for your own gratification? Do you let financial considerations drive life decisions primarily over spiritual considerations in following God faithfully? For instance, if you were offered a job with a large pay raise, but in a place where you didn't feel that you could faithfully follow the Lord, would you take that job? With relationships, do you seek uh, relationships for God's glory and to help strengthen your faith and the faith of others? Or do you seek relationships for some sort of self-gratification, respect and approval of others? Are you willing to face the scorn of the world because you are being obedient to the commands of Christ? And do you value an eternal reward from God who sees what you do more than you value an earthly reward of acknowledgement and recognition for things that you've done or accomplished? Control can be another thing. Are you willing to trust Authorities that God has put into place around you, even when maybe that's hard to do. And health and security are another big one. The world would say, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And if you're not religious... You may think, ah, yeah, I, I don't really worship any, anything. But you know, as you can see, these are just human impulses. There's things that drive us and drive our decisions at a fundamental level. And so ask, what is it that's driving my life? What is it that's dictating the decisions that I make? What's my system that I'm operating from? And how does that line up with what the Bible says about God? So how do we fight against idols? So the first thing that we see here in Deuteronomy is we spend time in the word. As Lenny mentioned this morning as he was reading this, this is the Jewish Shema. This is a, a prayer, you know, sort of a confession that they just surround their lives with. The, you know, the, the Deuteronomy talks about reciting this to themselves over and over, just making this, this word a part of their life. So spending time in God's word helps us to align our lives to God and not to these idols and to order things correctly prayerful self-examination as we do this is good because the Holy Spirit, as we examine ourselves in light of God's word, will reveal sin to us and show us ways that we need to change. And don't sear your conscience. That's, That's another important point. The Spirit will show us sin, but when we go against God's Spirit speaking to us and pricking our conscience and we sin anyways, the more and more we do that, we cauterize those senses and those nerves that tell us that we're not following God, and and it becomes harder, and it becomes harder to follow the Lord and put him above the things that, that we might, our flesh might want us to pursue. And finally, we have the church. The church is unified and marked by our faith to God collectively. The, most, the, the two most remarkable words, as I consider this verse, are our God. You take those words out. The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord is one. It's still a true statement. It's still true. But God, in his mercy, associates with his people. He is our God. And so, in Moses' time... The people associated with God, they, they related to God through the law. We see now that Jesus fulfilled the law and he brings us into the very presence of the holy God by his blood. And So we help one another as we focus on the fact that we are unified to God as a body through, through the blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross. And when we truly believe the good news of that gospel, we respond by seeking to live faithfully, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all of our strength. Consider tonight if you're doing that. Pray with me. Father, we praise you that you are enough You are one. You are all-powerful, perfect, and holy. Holy, holy, dear God. We thank you that there is none other that we need to turn to. And, Father, we ask your forgiveness when we do look apart from you for the fulfillment that you are pleased to provide us, dear God, in your will and in your design and through your redemption. Help us to trust you. Help us to have faith in you. Help us to encourage one another in that faith. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.